This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Ben Burnett. Joining me as always, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, how are you doing today? I'm having an outstanding day. Great to to get back into the swing of things with a fun slate of hockey last night. Uh, Some things went exactly as I hoped. Uh, Some other things like Tristan Jari's goalie start didn't go so hot. But uh, just really great to have it back, to be back in front of of the TV watching some excellent hockey going on. So interesting that you bring up Jari right off top. And actually, I think it's interesting just in general to talk about goalies as we get going here. My like main takeaway from one night of action, and just to just so everyone knows, we are recording this Thursday afternoon before the Friday night games, or the Thursday night games, rather. So if you're listening to this on Friday and uh, something we've said is out of date, that's why. Uh, but, you know, my, my, my main takeaway from night one is that goalies are going to have a very tough time out of the gate here, not only because they're going to be rusty, but because they are going to be affected by rust on the defensive end, uh, I, I think, more than usual. Yeah, it does seem like it, you know, with some limited time to get to work and gel together, uh, we may see it take a little bit of time before those defensive efforts kind of get their feet underneath themselves. And so it may be scary goalie time uh, up until that point. But again, we're talking about exceedingly small sample sizes here. So I think for the most part, we're not going to be advising that anyone go and throw anyone away yet. Um, Although I know that we've seen some some slightly panicked responses so far. Yeah, I would. Think that I think what I would say is just I'm not changing my mind on anything that I saw on night one. Um, you know, Tristan Jari, not a guy that I was super into, just because we haven't seen him take a, a stranglehold on that spot. And Casey DeSmith seems like he could uh, at least earn his way into a one B situation. So, so in that situation, I, I haven't really changed my mind. But yeah, just overall, I'm not feeling terribly different or trying not to feel terribly different about goalies on night two uh, or you know night three or night four it's just so early in the season yeah and I think at this point what we're doing is we're trying to collect data points here we're not trying to make any broad sweeping generalizations because we know that if you know this game had happened in the middle of the season we would have said oh that sucks it's a blip on the radar it's going to hurt your uh, fantasy score for the week, but it's just one thing. Because it's the only thing we have on the board so far, we tend to overreact. And so on the topic of goaltenders, Patty in the Patronate Discord group, shouts out to Patty, asked, should I drop Koskinen 
or should I drop all Canada division goalies? Uh, Patty actually rage dropped Miko Koskinen last night after he allowed, I believe, five goals uh, to Vancouver. What do you think, Lewis? Are you dropping any Canadian division goalies after the Habs, Leafs, and Oilers and Vancouver combined for uh, seemed like a million goals, but I guess it was closer to like 16 or 17 in those games? Well, I, I think that you knew what you were getting into when you drafted Canadian goalies, right? The whole talk during the, the lead up to the early season was that Canada is going to be this high scoring division. There's not a whole lot of defense that's being played. Like, what did you see on uh, Wednesday night that defied your expectations about what Canadian goaltending might look like? The only thing that I think stood out to me was that we saw Braden Holtby get the start in Vancouver and get the win. So um, I would be more concerned as a Demco owner, maybe seeing Holtby really uh, edge into those starts if anyone thought that he was just going to be that reliable veteran backup to the future of the of the Vancouver program here, potentially. Um, I'm more concerned about uh, Demko than I am about Koskinen. Koskinen gave me sort of what I expected uh, we would see in the in, in goal for Edmonton. So I was actually buying Holtby in the offseason just because I felt like his opportunity to bounce back was high enough. And we haven't seen it from Demko beyond a incredible stretch in Vegas. He obviously has had some good looks in Vancouver the last year or so. But I, I just thought that this might be a nice bounce back opportunity for Holtby. And again, after game one, I'm not you know declaring victory here, but it just it just felt like uh, an OK start for Holtby. That's what we'll say in net in Vancouver uh, for Koskinen, though, I would say I'm, again, not panicking. The main reason I'm not panicking, there's no competition for Miko Koskinen. I don't see Mike Smith as a guy who's going to usurp him. And so Miko Koskinen, you know, if you're counting on him for rate stats, that might not be a good plan. But overall, if you need starts, he is going to probably get starts and wins in this Canadian division. I mean, they might be 6-5 wins, but if a win is a win, then uh, I- I'm still holding on to Koskinen in a few spots. So one more goaltender uh, piece of information that we have right now that's a little bit interesting, I would say, is Carter Hutton is going to start in net for Buffalo uh, over Linus Olmark, the guy who we all figured was the was the incumbent here coming in and going to uh, take over the reins. I know Elon was particularly high on Olmark heading into the season. Lewis, does it freak you out to see Carter Hutton get that first start? Well, I'm going to wait until we see the results in that game against Washington. He may well just get shelled, and then we'll be you know, back to sort of what we more or less expected with uh, getting to see uh, Olmark out there. It does make me worry a little bit. I do have Olmark shares. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see. I'm I'm th- I'm trying to think of him missing this game against Washington as potentially a uh, as a break because, like we said, we're gonna be seeing our defensemen start to get their legs under them uh, eventually, but probably not here tonight. So it seems like uh, a game where Washington could potentially feast. Because we're recording this before tonight's game, what result would it take for you to be nervous about your Olmark shares? Uh, I think it's that big win, right, where he lets in maybe one goal and they get the W. 
you know, we know that Buffalo is a team that can streak and especially has had a habit of streaking at the start of the season and then fading uh, in later times. And Hutton in the past has taken advantage of that where he's been seen as the guy who is, you know, backstopping them to these victories. So that's what would be of concern to me. The other outcomes, I think, you know, are all going to sort of come out in the wash. But, you know, I did pick him up as someone I hoped could be a volume starter. Uh, So, yeah, I'm a little nervous right now. But, uh, yeah, I'm all about uh, the Caps tonight. I think, again, as I've been saying, it's too too early in the season to get your hopes too high or too low based on one night of results. Definitely, as an Olmark owner, I would be looking for Hutton to get shelled here. But, uh, yeah, just, just don't. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. I know it's a short season, but this is still week one. Linus Olmark still has an opportunity to be a volume starter. So if you're in a deeper league, do not panic drop just because of one night of goalie starts. Lewis, we're going to move further on into the show, and we're going to talk about a couple forwards now. And let's start in Vancouver as a bit of a transition here from our last segment. Niels Hoaglander comes into the game. He's playing line two with Bo Horvat, and he's on power play one with the big guns in Vancouver. And he's ad- he plays as advertised, scores a goal, makes a nice play on a earlier goal at even strength, uh, doesn't get an assist on that one, but easily could have. Uh, I watched that game. Hoaglander looked pretty good. Are we starting to say he is a must-own? So the big question here, right, is, is Hoaglander going to be uh... – you know, an excellent player who's going to get real opportunities moving forward, or is he going to be kind of a flash in the pan up until they get JT Miller back and he's going to move back down the lineup? I do think that that second line had some nice chemistry. It reminded me, um, watching them a little bit like another line that we're going to talk about later in the show in Montreal. Uh, so from that side of things, I really like it. I think that Pearson, Horvat, and Hoaglander could be a very nice second line. Um, I don't see him holding on to that power play spot once Miller returns, and I think that is going to cause his stock to take a hit. So I'm looking at him as a short-term option. And then if you're in a deep league where a second-line player with limited power play opportunity is still valuable to you, uh, keep him around. But I think in shallower leagues, he's going to be the kind of person who might uh, hit the waiver wire, and then you're picking him up when he's got a good schedule. You know, you're looking at him as uh, a watch list player uh, to plug in when you have the opportunity. Yeah, I actually think if you're, it depends on league depth, right? If you're in a league where a player that you can plug in and he's going to get top power play, you're just like looking for points. I think Hoaglander is is a really interesting option right now, as long as JT Miller stays out. It's really difficult though, and, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult to foresee a situation in which Hoaglander would be able to bump somebody off that super stacked top unit in Vancouver. And I think that limits his season long upside. However, we're really early in the season. Um, at the very least, he should be on your watch list, but I, you might not be able to get him in a lot of spots just because the the night one hype was very high. And honestly, he looked really good. This isn't a sort of thing where you're like, oh, that's a a bit fluky or whatever in the in the stat sheet. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, hold him while you can, or grab him if he's still available. Um, but once JT Miller gets back, I think you have to get judicious thinking about how deep your league is and whether he's the kind of guy you can afford to keep around without that power play time. Well, let's hop over to another team uh, that played last night in Chicago. And I, I wanted to jump to Chicago next because, Lewis, I know that this player scored a goal last night, but you were, you've were you been adamant. It was a bit fluky. Dylan Strom on that top line in Chicago uh, with Patrick Kane and Debrinkit and top power play. You know, if you're just looking at the box score, you're excited to see the goal. But uh, you were watching that game, eh? 
Yeah, so we shot it off uh, Chernak, and it hit Vasilevsky and went in, and we were bummed because it killed a uh, it killed a shutout we had going for Ugh. us in the fantasy hockey trades league, which was unfortunate. But I am holding Strom, so it was nice for me uh, to get those five points in Kakupful. Um, you know, the fact that that line got twenty one minutes. Uh, is really good. Um, he's obviously playing with really skilled players. They're not going to play every game against Tampa Bay, um, but it does seem like they're likely to kind of get get um, caved in on on uh, shooting opportunities against a lot of these teams. But you know, if you can get someone on that first line in Chicago, that's about the limit of of who you're going to want to have. Um, and especially Strom might be a good long term pickup for you because it sounds like. Uh, Jonathan Taves is now on long-term injured reserve and may even be questionable to come back in the season. Yeah, I I don't hold a lot of hope for Taves. Obviously, that could change with any sort of a news drop. But for now, I'm, I maintain uh, disinterest in Johnny Taves. Uh, Dylan Strom, though, yeah, I mean, may have been a fluky goal. But to me, the, the most interesting thing on that box sheet is the time on ice. 21-plus minutes is crazy. And if you're getting somebody playing 20 minutes with Patrick Kane in a night, then they need to be rostered in every league. I'm not saying that you necessarily have a player on your team that must get dropped for him, but there's probably a team with a worse, you know, a worse bench than yours who who should be rostering Dylan Strom right now. And I would say the fact that he played 90% of the power play along with the uh, the defenseman Adam Boakfist is is quite interesting there. Um, I'm not enamored with the results, but they were playing against Tampa, so so for now I think I'm as interested in Strom and Boquist as I was before. Um, I'd like to see Boquist do a little bit more on the peripheral side of things, but he just might that just might not be his game this year. It's nice to get some confirmation that Strom is at least going to be um, you know, sticking on that line. So again, we're we're collecting our data points and that's a nice one to see is is good line mates and and a lot of ice time. Uh, you know, you were talking about having that one team in your league that's got a weak enough bench. One thing I love to do is if there's a really exciting player uh, and, you know, I can't maybe afford to pick that person up because I don't have the person to drop, you know, look for that team that doesn't do so well in your league and maybe <laughs> give them a little nudge to pick them up rather than, you know, the second place team that finishes behind you and is always nipping at your heels. I love to give, you know, drop some helpful advice to those teams in my league and just say, hey, you know, this guy's pretty good. You might want to grab him while you still can just to keep him out of the hands of the more competitive teams. I mean, you say that, but I remember the year that Josh Gordon went crazy in the NFL uh, out of nowhere. He had a four-game suspension to start the year, and I was drafting with a buddy of mine, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Take Josh Gordon, and that's a pretty good flyer or whatever. And then I came to regret that very deeply. So just be careful. You know, it's the same sort of – that's kind of tempting the same sort of fate as trying to uh, angle yourself into a more um, advantageous playoff matchup. It's like you could be – playing with fire a little bit there great point yes you don't want to upset the monkey's paw uh let's jump over to another team that has definitely i I would say the most hyped player after night one i know that he was the most added among cupful tiers joel farabee and the philadelphia flyers farabee with a goal and three assists eric gustafson with two power play assists and kevin hayes with a goal and an assist popping off the stat sheet in that game uh, any strong takes coming out of that Philadelphia game, Lewis? Are you are you bumping Farabee, Hayes, or Gustafson higher up your ranks? Uh, is your eyebrow raised? Where, where are you at? Heat check. Well, take number one is that uh, the Pittsburgh defense is not where it needs to be if they're going to be competitive <laughs> this year. 
that was ugly to watch. Uh, some of their new additions, uh, you know, Cody Zisi is like playing all over the place and, and not really with any rhyme or reason right now, but maybe he can get that locked down. Uh, that's a pretty f- maybe futile hope. I might be setting myself up for sadness. But talking about the Philadelphia guys, uh, I thought that was really exciting. Um, again, I don't know how much it changes my view of these fellas. You know, Gustafson did his damage from the second power play. I don't know if I have a ton of faith on how repeatable to assist the game is going to be, if that's the case. Um, Farabee definitely was very exciting there, um, but he's not going to be popping off for four points a game. Uh, You know, certainly in a short term, I think it makes sense to add him. Ride the hot streak uh, if you've got some dead weight on your roster, if you're trying to fill in an injury spot. Um, I you know, I don't see it certainly being sustainable at this level. I don't really see it being sustainable at a point per game level. Um, but he is a really interesting player. And if you like to pick up the fun guys and, you know, maybe flip them before their streak ends or anything like that, that's always a, a fine choice. But it doesn't change my opinion a whole lot. I uh, So I'm interested in Joel Farabee mainly because this is game one, right? And so we don't, as you've mentioned a few times, we are collecting data right here. And it is possible that Joel Farabee is just ready for the spotlight, right? Like he's on that line with Giroux and Kevin Hayes. Uh, that is going to be, he's going to get looks on that line. And then nothing to sneeze at getting line two power play one, but it is still, you know, you're, you're taking shots in the pan here. There's no sure thing that's on the waiver wire after one night. So I am not against grabbing Joel Farabee, especially he plays, he goes again here on an off night on Friday. Uh, I'm not against it. I'm just not counting on him. I'm not dropping a guy I drafted in the ninth or 10th round to make sure that I get in on the Joel Farabee train. Um, we were chatting with Brian and Elon of Keeping Carlson, uh, and they they actually backed this as well. Uh, I'm going to pull up what Elon sent to us here. He promises that this isn't tier one posturing because despite the fact that Farabee is the highest added cuckoo player last night, he didn't get added in tier one, which I thought was very interested. But he says he's not going gaga over Farabee. Power play two had a good night, but that's likely not going to be the norm. And Brian said me neither. Uh, so definitely Brian and Elon aren't there yet. I, for one, think that Farabee is a very interesting flyer. We did not mention him in our uh, free agency, post-draft free agency show the other night. I mentioned Oscar Lindblom, who also had an okay night, especially if you're in leagues with uh, banger stats. But um, yeah, I think that I would take Farabee over, over Lindblom now at least, you know, like we've seen him start to pop off. And we've also seen Philadelphia play with those power play units. There's no dedicated top unit in Philadelphia. So I think there's upside for Farabee. I'm not going crazy and dropping somebody who is a must hold. So if we can rate some guys who are not power play one, line one. So that leaves um, Strom off, I think. But out of Farabee, Gustafson and Hoaglander, uh, thinking about uh, position eligibility too. Uh, who do you like first from that list? Well, I mean, it's got to be Hoaglander right now just because of that. He's on that top power play in in uh, Vancouver, and that's going to have some value in the short term. Um, longer term, it's going to be, that's pretty much the toss up there, right? Is, is, uh, it's too close to call between Hoaglander and, and Farabee after one night, but that is the sort of tier where I'm looking. Those are the sort of guys that 
they're if they're if I don't have room on my bench, then they're on my watch list. And if I've got some lower tier guys, like a, a player that I had because he was in top six minutes uh, in training camp was Dylan Dubé, and I would drop him, for example. You know, these sure. are the types of top six players that you grabbed in the draft towards the end, but that you don't need to hold on to because they haven't popped off yet. And uh, Faraby, Gustafson. These are guys who I don't have a problem taking a flyer on. Zach on Twitter asked us, would would we drop Duncan Keith for Eric Gustafson? Duncan Keith obviously playing on power play two behind Adam Boquist right now. And I would prefer Gustafson on power play two in Philadelphia because that's a team that I expect to score way more. Chicago might be the worst team in the league this year. Yeah, I, if I'm a Duncan Keith owner, I'm almost always looking for an opportunity to drop him for something more interesting. So, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. And as far as like the Farabee thing and the Oglander, you know, uh, all I would say is, you know, if you want to win the lottery, you got to buy the scratch tickets, right? So you might as well uh, grab a couple and see who, who you know, stays strong for you and earns you those points. But like we said, I don't think we're giving up any big assets for these folks quite yet, especially based on this extremely small sample size. And Gustafsson has that upside, I think, that he could, you know, Provorov is obviously a great player, but I don't think that he's somebody where it's like this offensive genius who needs to be on the top unit in Philadelphia. I think that there is opportunity there for Gustafsson to take some power play one minutes. Yeah, for sure. I could see him replacing Provorov and, you know, them giving Provorov sort of the Charlie Coyle treatment and just get him out there more in, in all situations, give him some more minutes Charlie to McAvoy. do his thing. Charlie McAvoy. Yes, yeah, sorry, not Charlie Coyle. <laughs> um, can we look at another second or like a 1A line that was really interesting in Montreal yesterday? Yeah, please. All right, so we saw a really exciting line in Montreal in that game between uh, the Habs and the Leafs, which was really exciting and went into overtime and had, you know, uh, lots of complaining about the officials. You know, everything you would want from a hockey game on opening night. Um, but that Suzuki Anderson Drew and line was really exciting. I guess kind of like a line 1B. They're all kind of like line 1Bs in Montreal. But uh, what did you see from those guys and how would you uh, compare them to some of the other folks we talked about tonight? I mean, they looked really good. Like, Nick Suzuki, if you drafted him in any league, I am prepared to say that you got a steal. Um, He just, he looked every bit the, you know, first line offensive generator. The interesting thing, you kind of mentioned this in Montreal, the interesting thing with Montreal is they have a a line that drives line one results, but they don't necessarily put up line one offensive numbers. And that's that Deneau line with Tatar and Gallagher. They're an incredible matchup line, uh, but they, they probably have more of the Bo Horvat line upside than they do the, the Elias Pettersson uh, upside to kind of draw a comparison between two Canadian teams. And so while I, while I thought that line also looked pretty good last night, the Suzuki drew in, Anderson line really popped off. And I mean, Anderson obviously scored twice. Uh, Suzuki made a couple of great plays driving in. I I think that that line, if you have them, you are going to be very happy with those guys. Uh, Obviously, Anderson uh, pops off a little bit more in banger leagues. Suzuki, I think, is going to be the guy who scores the most on that line. And then I think Druin might end up being what he's been the past few years, which is a bit streakier. I mean, he's not going to put up two assists every night. Um, but I have interest in all of them at various levels, depending on the depth of a, of a line. Anderson and Suzuki aren't available in any of my leagues. I do have drew in in a couple deeper spots and, and I'm happy with those shares. I, th- I think that, I think I like each of them right now, as long as they're playing together. 
So yeah, I think you nailed the order of interest. Certainly Suzuki is at the top, and then you've got Josh Anderson, who uh, is going to have a really high floor, and it seems like has the has the potential to be back to sort of what he was during his really exciting season in Columbus. Um, and yeah, it's nice to see them kind of get a little bit more scoring line minutes uh, treatment in uh, Montreal, which has you know has a bit of a columbus reputation of being a place where it's tough to see one line get all to you know all that many minutes but nice that um they're seeing a little bit more time than maybe we've expected from uh, montreal teams past yeah i i honestly think that the upside is there for this this line to be offensive uh for this line to be the offense of montreal and, and to drive that offense um i i really like all three of those players this year of relative to where they were being drafted um, I think for me, you know, the Farabees, the Gustafsons, and we mentioned uh, Hoaglander, those guys are in a tier below Dylan Strom for me. Um, and, and I would say that Suzuki is above Strom, and then Anderson is about in that range, and Druin is probably uh, a little bit below that group, if I, if I were ranking players that we've talked about tonight. Yeah, I like that. I think you picked out some good spots for them. Uh, Anderson is really interesting to me. I might take Anderson over Strom just because of uh, the the security of you know knowing that hits and shots are coming. Um, but again, like you said previously, playing if you're going to play 20 minutes a night with Patrick Kane, uh, it's hard to it's hard to say no to that either. So maybe they they do belong right next to each other. Yeah, and I, I think to your point, Dylan Strom is a very empty calorie kind of fantasy performer he doesn't tend to put up volume shots or or hits really at all so i i would agree i i'm josh anderson above above dylan strome although i don't think that you're going to be getting either of them in most leagues at this point um just pulling up josh anderson's ownership rates right now and it looks as though he is owned in 55 percent of leagues so you know if you're in if you're in shallower leagues you might have a shot there but nick suzuki in 58 percent. i mean these are these are ownership rates where if you're playing with people who are trying, they are gone. But if you are, uh, if you're in with, uh, if you're in with lower, lower tier fantasy players, you might have a shot. Uh, last team I wanted to talk about, Lewis, St. Louis, which I had not really, uh, had not really called them, noticed the the Lewis connection here until I just said it. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm an LEW, so I don't feel a lot of uh, camaraderie with St. Louis, so it's okay. That makes sense. Uh, the main takeaway from that team, two goals from Oscar Sundquist playing in the Hoffman spot on line two. Hoffman, a late scratch due to visa issues last night. He didn't get the start with Robert Thomas and uh, Jaden Schwartz. Uh, and instead, Oscar Sundquist came out and scored two goals there. Are you getting hyped up for uh, Oscar Sundquist? All that really tells me, I think, is that Hoffman is going to have really nice opportunities when he gets in. I'm pretty sure that he is capable of doing anything that Sunquist is capable of. Uh, I'm not especially interested in grabbing him at this time, and it seems like you know this is a visa issue. This isn't a lingering injury. This isn't an illness. You know, Hoffman's going to be back pretty soon, and he should be at full capacity. So, uh, a bummer for anyone who has Hoffman, who saw the guy in his spot score a couple times, and they wish they could have had that, but. Um, all it shows me is that Hoffman's going to have nice opportunities when he gets back. Yeah, uh, I was a little disappointed with uh, Robert Thomas's usage, uh, played under 13 minutes and had no power play time whatsoever. I am uh, I am kind of watching how that develops because that is a guy who I, I you know, he put up to assist last night. So it might appear that the breakout is is nigh, but uh, that they might be a little empty calorie there. And that that does concern me. 
All right, Lewis. Well, that is it from us. We are signing off. But uh, for myself, Ben Burnett, I am out of here. Lewis, why don't you sign us off? All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your downloads. We do have a new Twitter handle that we would like you to follow. We are at ShortShiftsKK on the Twitter machine. So please check us out there. If you haven't already, we've got lots of fantasy takes, some goofy stuff, and uh, updates and news. And, of course, you can find all of the episodes will be posted there as well. Uh, And until we see you again, please remember, play smart and keep your shifts short.